You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. God is good. God speaks. I appreciate so much your willingness to try this. Every week during this series, The Art of Worship, we've been trying some new things and, like I said, shaking the snow globe, beginning to get a fresh sense of what it means to to enter into worship at Mosaic as God has gifted and called us particularly. And I'm grateful for your willingness to experiment a little. (laughs) I, I have to tell you that even though I'm the one thinking up most of these ideas, hopefully under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, though uh, knowing it's ultimately my choice, the Spirit is uh, not a bully. As I'm thinking up these ideas, I'm always a little intimidated by the thought of bringing these experiments into worship. And I have to keep reminding myself that even if an idea doesn't do all we want it to do, nobody dies. Isn't that great? Can you say that with me? Nobody dies. Nobody dies. I hope you'll remind yourself of that when you start to feel awkward and wonder if you did it right. Even if some of our our spiritual experiments are not your thing, guess what? Nobody dies. And what, what if we actually discover some treasures along the way? What if one of you today discovered that you actually have a gift for listening to the Lord? And what if somebody else just gets healed because of your gift? That would be worth it, right? What if this is actually more like what the kingdom of God is like? Amen. What the values. So here's the word for the morning. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. Say that together. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. Say it to your neighbor. Say it to your neighbor. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. So loosen up. Tell your neighbor. So loosen up. Tell them. Loosen up. Because you can't mess it up. It's an unshakable kingdom. It'll mess with your head, absolutely. It'll take you out of your comfort zone, which for some of us is a very small zone. (laughs) It will shake you, but you can't shake it. You can't mess up the kingdom of God, so we might as well enjoy it. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews wants us to hear when he gets to this big finish in chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews Chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 18. If you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, if you'll just lift your hands, somebody will bring you a Bible. All right? Um, Who's that back there? Julian, can you bring a Bible to somebody right here? Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I want to set you up. The writer sets, sets us up here. He tells us that back when Moses first ushered the Israelites out of slavery and into the desert... Nobody really understood the holiness of God or the kingdom of God. No one had seen God on display the way he was displaying himself when he sent those plagues on the people of Egypt and and called the, the Israelites out into the desert of sanctification. And that's exactly what it was. It was a desert of sanctification for them. And he gave them the law and he taught them holiness. Nobody had seen that before. For these people who had just come out of slavery and out of a pagan worldview full of angry and vindictive gods, this was overwhelming. 
So they told Moses, you talk to him. We don't want to talk to him. We, you talk to him and tell us what he says, and, and that'll be good enough for us. So the writer of Hebrews begins by telling the New Testament followers of Jesus that what they didn't know back then, when they were first being introduced to God's holiness, is that, yes, it's big and powerful and supernatural and pure and, and so pure we can hardly bear it, but through the filter of Jesus Christ, it is also joyful and approachable and full of grace. He says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, You've not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they couldn't bear what was commanded, that if even an animal touched this mountain, it would be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that even Moses said, I am trembling with fear. The writer's describing this holy mountain that Moses was on when he saw God and received the Ten Commandments. And it was stunning and holy and mysterious. It, it jerked those people into, <laughs> into obedience. Teachers in the room. Who, who's, how many teachers in the room do we have? Teachers in the room? Yeah. You, you get this. Think of it like the first day of school. That first day of school, you cannot be too nice to the students. You cannot bend any, any rules or you'll be paying for it for the rest of the semester. Am I right, teachers? Yeah, yeah. So, so you lay down the law that first day. And then over the, ter the time of the semester, as you and your students get to know each other, you can, sh you can show them how grace fits into the equation of your class rules. That's what, it's, what, the, what the writer is describing here. So, so he says to them, that was then. But now the writer tells us, now in Jesus, we have, a, a, we have an expression of God that helps us understand that God is actually approachable with an assembly around him, a community that isn't trembling with fear, but with excitement. It's a community not trembling with fear, but with excitement. And this isn't because God has somehow dumbed everything down or kicked out the thresholds and widened the, the doorposts on holiness. No, it's because we now understand how grace fits into the equation. In Jesus, we now understand that our holy God is also a loving God. Amen. And so Hebrews 12, 22, you've, you've come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of vengeance. In other words, you've not come to some experience of God that's intimidating, that's so fear-producing that you can't bear what you experience or what is told to you. You haven't come to scary religion that creates nothing but shame and does nothing but pour weight upon weight over your already stressed-out life. You've not come to a practice or experience of God that depends on you getting it perfectly right or you will be struck by lightning. No, 
You have come to the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn. What could be more beautiful than that? What could be more adventurous than that? I think I saw it last week when we were in Cuba, and I want to tell you about it. But I, I want to um, tell you first a little about Cuba just to remind you. Cuba is a communist country. It's right below Florida. It's an island, but it's a communist country with no trade relations with the U.S. They're not hostile toward the average American, although they did make Steve um, do the serious body scan because Steve looks a little like a terrorist. Tell me if I'm not right about that. <laughs> you can't go as a tourist. So we were there on a religious visa. It's crazy, isn't it? That you can be in a communist country on a religious visa, not a tourist visa. But there it is. About one in 10 Cubans is Christian. About one in 10, which means that 90% of Christian, uh, sorry, 90% of Cubans are not Christian. And most of them uh, practice a kind of indigenous folk religion called Santeria. Think kind of uh, animism. And, um, but that 10% that believes in Jesus, they are on fire. They are. And there is a charismatic Methodist movement in Cuba that is growing like wildfire. I need to say that again because you didn't really believe me when I said it. There is a charismatic Methodist movement in Cuba that is growing like wildfire. Isn't that something? Turns out charismatic and Methodist fit together really well. So Methodism was introduced to Cuba back in the 1800s. And so for about 150 years, Methodism produced about 100 churches in Cuba. But about 20 years ago, the Holy Spirit caught fire in the Methodist church or caught the Methodist church on fire. And for the last 20 years, we've grown from 100 churches to 550 churches with another 300 missions, which are people trying to create a church in the community where they are. It's a revival, and every one of those churches is alive and hungry and going after souls. Over the four days we were in the country, we got to worship in at least a, a, a dozen different churches and, and got to bless more than 100 pastors. The typical Cuban pastor makes something around $15 to $20 a month. I don't even understand this economic system. I don't even understand. But what I can tell you is they would, make, they would be making more if they were working a job through the government. And every one of them could, and they've chosen to work for Jesus. And friends, in their worship, it was, we saw thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. <laughs> We'd walk into a church service, and they'd be dancing in the aisles. The pastor was dancing. The children were dancing. Men danced. Everyone was singing. And I was pegged pretty quickly as the only one in our group of seven who was a dancer. So they would grab me, and I'd just be up front just dancing. and It was awesome. The decibel level was somewhere above 100 in every church. But it was pure exuberance, a joyful assembly. There's no joy quite like the joy of someone who has been saved out of the oppressiveness of communism. 
in a country where there isn't ever enough food, where the government controls so much, these folks found freedom in the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. It didn't matter whether they had real musicians or canned music. They didn't have screens. Everybody just knew the words to the song, and they were all singing. They sang like they were in the choir. On Tuesday morning last week, a random Tuesday morning, some 200 200 or 300 people sat in a packed room waiting two and a half hours for us to get there so that we could participate with them in the baptism of 20 new believers. And any believer who comes to Christ in, uh, in, in Cuba is a first generation. I mean, they are the church of the firstborn. So we got there and they baptized person after person after person. When they got to the last one, the place was in some kind of like... The excitement level was so high. And when the last person came up out of the water, the place just exploded. It was a party. Every single person in the room, even Steve Moore, was dancing. (laughs) Was dancing in his heart. The district superintendents were spraying holy water into the room. It was a party. It was angels and joyful assembly. It was the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. 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 And I have to tell you, I had this passage in Hebrews in my head before we ever went to Cuba because I knew I'd be preaching it today. And even before I went, I was especially drawn to those two words, joyful assembly. Joyful assembly. Remember that right now, through this series of messages we're in, we're exploring the art of worship, and we're asking God to speak a fresh word over this community, especially in our worship life. And I've had this growing sense inside, ever since landing on this passage, that those two words, joyful assembly, were being magnified in my spirit because they are a word for us. When I saw that display of joy, I was actually standing on top of a, of, a, um, of a bench so I could just see everything that was going on in the room. And I was standing up on a bench. And when I saw that display on Tuesday of joy, when I saw the church of the firstborn celebrating life in that way, I stood there. I said, here it is. There it is. This is God's invitation to us. This is is God's invitation to you and me. I believe God is inviting us into joy to know ourselves as a joyful assembly, to come into worship expecting God to meet us here, expecting God to speak, expecting God to move. Because, friends, we need a move. There's a connection, I believe, between joy and expecting to expect God to speak. The writer tells us, Hebrews 12, 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. I need to say to you, I remind you again, the sheep hear his voice. If you're a sheep that belongs to the shepherd, you can hear his voice. See to it, this is scriptural, that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they didn't escape when they refused him and warned them on earth, how much less will we when he warns us from heaven? 
At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. He's talking about shaking everything out of you that does not belong in the kingdom of God. So that what is of the kingdom can stay can have, can have place, can have room to blossom and move. He shows us the power of the prophetic right here. It's the work of God that shakes loose everything that can be shaken. And I want to tell you, I believe that the, that the anxiety and the worry and the fear and the reticence and the, and the doubt and the, uh, and the skepticism God is ready to shake those things loose from us so that what is left is joy, joyful assembly. God is calling us to be a joyful assembly. God is calling us to be a joyful assembly. God is calling us to be a joyful assembly. Do you believe it? Would you tell your face? God is calling us to be a joyful assembly. And I'm going to tell you, there is a way. There is a way to get there. It's a serious kind of praying. A serious kind of praying. It's when we combine, com- combine prayer with fasting. When prayer is combined with fasting, that is a powerful combination. It's a way that we shake loose everything that does not belong to the kingdom and we release the power of God into a situation. I know you heard about it last week, but I I really want to emphasize to you the, the invitation to come into this practice of prayer and fasting. We saw this a few years ago at Mosaic. This was before the pandemic. Maybe you remember it. Just after our building was complete, our church found itself in a financial tight spot. We weren't dying, but the trajectory we were on was not good. But rather than beg for help, we decided to fast and pray. And first, we just asked the vision team to pray. Nobody else. Nobody even knew we were praying. It was just the vision team. And then we brought the staff into it. And it was just the vision team and the staff. And then eventually we invited the whole congregation into fasting and prayer. But what happened, even before we invited the whole congregation in, it was remarkable. I would call it a miracle. Our finances grew to levels we had not known in all our years as a worshiping community. We are still living today off the the financial provision we received back then when we were fasting and praying. So as 2023 started, I had such a sense that it was time to fast and pray again. The the crisis inside the United Methodist Church and the very sad state of affairs in our own conference of the UMC, it's just so sad. It's been a deep discouragement to all of us. We thought we'd be in the process of disaffiliation right now, but... Things have been put on hold by conference leaders, and I'm not sure what the final answer will be. But you know what? Jesus said, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. 
So our leaders have already begun to fast and pray. And, and now we're inviting you to begin praying and fasting. We're asking every adult to pick a day of the week and um, that you will fast every week. We, we fast and pray using a sundown to sundown approach, which means if I sign up for Thursdays, and Thursdays are my day. Um, so if I sign up for Thursdays, I'm going to fast from the evening on Wednesday till the evening on Thursday. So each of us takes a day so that among us, all the days are covered. We're praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week for our community, for us. I got to tell you, we actually called the whole conference to fasting and prayer, and hundreds of people around the conference are fasting and praying right now. I know because I'm the person who set up the sign-up thing for them, and so I get every time somebody signs up, I get it, and it's like happening like some kind of ticker tape in my, in my inbox. I, I am amazed at the number of people who are signing up. Our church has a separate sign-up uh, thing where you can sign up. So, and you'll get an email. By the time you get out of worship today, you'll have an email in your inbox. Um, and if you sign up and give me your email address, you'll also get prayer points. You know, when we first started to do this, it really was to seek God's favor around the impasse that we seem to be in in the UMC. But I sense now that God is calling us at Mosaic to, to pray for something deeper, to pray for breakthrough. So when you go to start fasting and praying, I want to ask you to start praying for a personal spiritual breakthrough and pray for a Mosaic's spiritual breakthrough. Pray for a word from, from God over our whole community. Pray expecting God to move because, friends, we need a move. And I believe he's about to move. I do. So here's how I want you to think about this call to prayer and fasting. I don't want you to enter it like you're climbing the mountain of fear. I want you to enter it like you are standing on the mountain of joy. He has given us a grace. Some of us who have already been, praying, uh, have been fasting for a few weeks, we've noticed there is a grace over this season of fasting and prayer. It's, it's turned out to really truly to be a joy a release, and you can't mess it up. It's an unshakable kingdom. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. Say that again together. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. It won't break if you get it wrong here and there. And in fact, there's no way to advance in your spiritual walk if you don't take some chances and put yourself out there on the edge or at least out on your edge. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. He says... In Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God accordingly with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So here's the charge. We belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You can't mess up the kingdom. The kingdom of God will not be broken or damaged, is not offended by you. The kingdom... The kingdom of God is not offended by you. Somebody here probably needs to hear that. The kingdom of God is not offended by you. Receive that and be thankful for it. And then worship God with that truth in mind, with reverence and awe, yes, but also with joy. Thanks be to God.
He is nearer, the writer of Deuteronomy tells us, than our next breath. You don't have to go to some, over some mountain to get to him. You don't have to go across some sea. He's right here. He is right here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.